You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis chapter 37, and we'll begin reading in verse number 12. And if we could read these uh, nine verses together, verse number 12 through verse number 20. Ready, begin. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now therefore, And let us slay him, and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And let's bow for prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the church where we can come, where we can learn, where we can be challenged, where we can be encouraged and edified, where, Lord, we can have accountability, Lord, one to another, and Lord, we know ultimately we will stand before you. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth as we study and search the Scriptures. Lord, we know that the Scriptures were written aforetime, but they were written for our learning and they were written for our admonition. Lord, something, Lord, from this passage today, Lord, you've got for us. And I pray that we would not miss it. I pray you'd speak to us. Lord, if anyone is here that does not know Christ, may today be the day of their salvation. And Lord, for those who do know Christ, I pray that we would all, Lord, uh, realize that we go through situations much like Joseph. Lord, may we not get bitter. May we not give up. May we not uh, become angry at you. But Lord, rather, may we trust you more and love you more and be closer to you through the trials of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We started last week in our series on the life of Joseph. And last week we laid the... Uh, foundation. We, we talked a lot about Joseph's background. Remember, we talked about uh, his grandparents. We talked about his uncle. We talked about um, his, his own parents and uh, all of the uh, deceit that was involved with them. And then, of course, we talked about his brothers, uh, how his brothers, they envied him. They, were, they hated him. They, they did not like him. They could not stand him. And uh, that was not just uh, a passing feeling, we see in this passage now that they're ready to kill him. 
We said last week that Joseph dreamed some dreams, and these were dreams that God gave Joseph, dreams that prophesied and, and predicted future events that would take place for Joseph and for his family. Here this morning, we come to this passage where it says in verse number 12 that uh, Joseph's brothers, they went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Now, Joseph at the time, he is probably about 17 or 18. In the beginning of chapter 37, he was 17. So we'll say 17, 18. His brothers are older than he is. So his brothers are, we're talking in their, their 20s and, and beyond. They're adult men. And these 11 guys, they are taking care of Jacob's flock. Now, Jacob doesn't trust them. He sends Joseph. He says, I want you to go check on them. Now, I got a couple questions here, but one is, why would Jacob not trust his sons with the sheep? Well, one reason, I'll say, is because Jacob knew what he had done and how he had deceived his father-in-law and how he had swindled his father-in-law, Laban, and how he had taken advantage of his father-in-law and he had kind of been pocketing some extra money and keeping the best of the sheep for himself. And so I'm sure some of Jacob, he was paranoid. He's like, what if my boys do to me like what I did to my father-in-law? Boy, that's a good lesson for all of us to be honest and to be trustworthy because if we're not, guess what? We might reap that in the next generation. Our children may see some things in us and say, well, if that's what mom and dad did, then why can't I? But Jacob, he was paranoid. He was worried about his sons. And then it may be because they went so far away. The Bible tells us that Shechem was the place where they went to feed the flocks. That was about 50 miles away. Now, I'm not so sure what that topography was like in that region. But I don't know why you'd have to go 50 miles away to feed sheep. Maybe the grass was a lot greener. Maybe the water supply was a lot more abundant. But for whatever reason, they decided we're getting 50 miles from dad and we're getting 50 miles away. We're going to Shechem. It's interesting they went to Shechem because in Genesis 34, it was in Shechem where uh, their, their uh, sister got involved with some of the ungodly heathen people of Shechem. It was a godless place. I personally think that the brothers went to Shechem because they were up to no good. They didn't want daddy to find out. They didn't want report to get back to daddy. And then in turn, Jacob sends Joseph. He's like, I'm afraid something's going on and I want you to, to, to find out what's going on and bring me word again. But the brothers are feeding the flock and Joseph is sent, verse 13, by his dad to go and to check on them. I love his response in verse 13. Joseph said to his dad, he said, Dad, here am I. You want me to go check on my brothers? No problem. You want me to go 50 miles from home? No problem. Uh, you want me to go check on people that already don't like me and they're 50 miles away and this might not be a good idea, but Dad, I trust you and if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. We get to verse number 14. He gets to Shechem. Uh, he gets to Shechem, verse 14, verse 15, he couldn't find him in Shechem. He, he's wandering in a field and a man says, what are you looking for? Who, who, who are you seeking after? He said, I'm looking for my brothers and I'm looking for their flocks. And the man says, well, I heard 
They said that they were going to Dothan and they were going to feed the flocks there. So Joseph goes about another 10 to 15 miles. He goes to Dothan and he finds his brothers there. Now, again, they're, they're 50 miles from home. They go another 10 to 15 miles. I don't think they were up to anything good, but that's just my opinion. The Bible doesn't specifically say. But the Bible says that Joseph finds them. And when he finds them, they see him coming a long way off. Now, you can't tell me, you can't tell me that this was just a spur-of-the-moment decision. I think this was planned. I think this was premeditated. Because they saw him a long ways off, I think they probably saw the coat that probably identified uh, uh, Joseph. You know how uh, sometimes people wear things and you can just pick them out of a crowd. I, I think about when uh, Brother Fields is here. He's usually got some of those bright sports jackets you can pick out. Lewis Anderton at Christmas time, you know, he's, you can pick him out at the candlelight service, you know, the jacket that lights up, or uh, David and Thomas Dixon. You guys got some pretty nice looking uh, sports coats that stick out, but, but, but they saw him coming and they, they saw the coat and they said, let's do this. Let's kill him. Let's throw his body in a pit and let's tell dad an evil beast got him. That sounds like a plan to me. That sounds like that was calculated, that was planned, it was premeditated. They hated Joseph so much, they said, we want him dead. They saw him and they conspired against him. Now at this time, Joseph hadn't said anything yet. He hadn't been teasing. He hadn't been bragging about his coat. He hadn't been talking about his dreams. But they had so much bitterness in their heart, they said, we will kill our own brother. Notice verse number 19. They said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Verse 20, come now, let us slay him and cast him into a pit and we'll say some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Now, I want to give you two thoughts just by way of introduction here. Be very careful what you allow to bother you and what you allow to irritate you, because if you don't deal with it, those things that are so small and so little, they can destroy your life. They can literally eat your lunch. I'm going to prove it to you right here. You know what bothered Joseph's brothers so much? One was an article of clothing. It was, a, it was a silly coat, and I understand it was a representation of Jacob's favoritism, but are you kidding? You would kill somebody because of a coat? Because you were jealous? Because you wanted it? Because you didn't think? Are you serious? You would stoop so low as to kill somebody because of a coat? How about this? His dreams. His dreams drove his brothers crazy that twice in this little passage here, they mention the dreams. Hey, look, there comes the dreamer. Here he comes again. Let's kill him, and then we'll see what happens with his dreams. They let what somebody said drive them to a point where they were willing to murder their own brother. Now, you say, oh, I would never do that. Can I tell you? You never know. You never know how far you'll go when you let bitterness creep into your heart. You never know how far you'll go when you let hatred fester in your heart towards somebody. And they may not even know. 
They may not even have a clue, but your life is controlled because somebody said something or somebody's got something that you think you deserve or you think you should have. And the next thing you know, you have put your life on a course of destruction because of something that is so silly and so insignificant. Be very careful what you let control you. You better get real good at just having some thick skin and letting stuff roll off your back and forgive and forget and move on and keep your eyes on Jesus and don't worry what everybody else is doing. Amen. But then we get to verse number 21. Reuben is the oldest brother. Reuben heard their plan and the Bible says that he delivered him out of their hands. He didn't let them kill Joseph on the spot. He said, hey, let's put him in a pit. We'll talk about this. We'll figure it out, but let's not kill him. And so they put him in the pit. Verse number 23, it says they stripped him of his coat, his coat of many colors. Verse 24, they took him, they cast him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. This was probably a well. It's probably a cistern that normally would have water. And those cisterns could be so deep and they'd have a narrow opening at the top that you couldn't get out by yourself. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah chapter 38, Jeremiah was lowered into one of those and he could not get out until somebody came and lowered ropes so he could escape. So Joseph was a prisoner. He was put in this pit. He was thrown into this pit. And then it says in verse number 25, they sat down to eat bread. Are you kidding? They're, they're conspiring to kill their brother. They have just taken him by force. They've ripped his coat off of him. They've thrown him into a pit. They're getting ready to kill him. And they said, you know, boy, that was kind of hard work. We're kind of we're hungry. Let's sit down and let's eat a bite. I want to tell you, these guys were ruthless. These guys were wicked. These guys were so hardened and so bitter. Notice with me, if you would, in chapter 42. Would you turn over there? Genesis 42, verse number 21. Later, the brothers were recounting that particular situation. And they said one to another, Genesis 42, 21. They said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother. Here's what it says. In that we saw the anguish of his soul. How do you see the anguish of somebody's soul? You know how you see it? You see it in their eyes. You see it on their face. They said, we saw it. He was scared to death. He was terrified for his life, and rightly so, because we were ready to kill him on the spot. We saw the anguish of his soul. But then notice what it says in verse number 21. When he besought us, and we would not hear. You know what was happening? They saw it on his face. They put him in the pit, and then they could hear him crying. They could hear him pleading. They could hear Joseph begging for his life, and it didn't bother them one bit. They sat down and ate a sandwich. They sat down and had lunch. They sat down and had a good old time while their brother was literally begging for his life. How sad, how tragic, how awful could that be? The Bible says next they saw some Ishmaelites, Genesis 37. And verse number 25, as they sat down to eat bread, they lifted up their eyes and looked, and a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead 
with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. Now this is no coincidence and this is no accident. This is a part of God's plan. The Ishmaelites are coming from Damascus. There was a, a trade route that they were probably on. But the Bible says they had just been in Gilead up to the north. Now, Gilead was known for its balm. We'll talk about that Wednesday night in Jeremiah chapter 8. The Bible refers to the balm of Gilead. It's very interesting. But there was the balm was there, the ointment. There was spices in Gilead. There was myrrh that was used for, for, for precious ointment and for bearing. And they had just been from Gilead and they're passing through and they come by on that route. They come by Dothan. And as the brothers are figuring out what they're going to do, they see this group, and Judah speaks up. Now, keep in mind, this is very significant that this is Judah. We'll talk about this in the weeks to come. Judah speaks up, and you say, oh, he must have been a, he must have been a nice guy. He was trying to save his brother. Oh, no. <laughs> he wasn't trying to save nobody. He said, hey, we're going to kill him anyway. We might as well make some money off of it. He said, what, what profit is it if we kill him? If we kill him... Then we got to hide his body. If we kill him, then we got to clean the blood off of our clothes. But hey, let's sell him. Let's sell him as a slave. Now, this, this, this idea of him being sold as a slave, this was a death sentence. This was, they knew they'd never see him again. They knew Joseph would probably not live. They knew he would be tortured. They knew he'd be abused. They knew that he would be mistreated. And they said, this is actually better. If we kill him, it's all over and it's all done, but if we sell him, he'll have to think about this for the rest of his life. He'll be in misery. He'll be away from his beloved father. He'll be away from his beloved uh, 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 family. Uh, this will be great. We'll just sell him. And so they sold him, the Bible says, for 20 pieces of silver. You say, that must have been a lot of money. No, it wasn't, actually. That was the price of a common slave that was 20 years old and younger. They sold him for the price of a slave. They said, Joseph, you're not worth any more to us than a slave would be. And they sold their own brother. The Bible tells us, then they took Joseph's coat and they killed a, a goat and they dipped that coat in blood. Verse number 32, they told their father, Verse 32, they sent the coat, they, they sent a messenger with, ahead of them with the coat, and then when they got there, they said, hey dad, we found this coat, we're not sure if it's Joseph's or not, do you recognize it? Bunch of liars, bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of conniving uh, murderers that not only uh, sold their brother, but then they come back and they lie to their father and they say, yeah, dad, it looks like some wild animal. Some wild beast tore him up. This was all that was left, just this coat that's in shreds and covered with blood. Verse 34, and Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all the sons, all his sons, verse 35, and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. Now, hang on, time out. These same sons that just sold Joseph as a slave and wanted to kill him, these same sons who uh, took the coat and dipped it in blood, now they're coming to their father and they're saying, oh, dad, we're so sorry. We don't know where he is. We don't know what happened to him. Oh, dad, we're so sorry. You talk about hypocrites. 
You talk about liars. You talk about deceitful. You talk about stooping to an all-time low, lying to their dad and saying, oh, we want you to feel better. No, they didn't. They're the ones that were responsible. And Joseph refused, or Jacob refused to be comforted. He said, I'll go down into the grave unto my son mourning. And thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar. That's significant. We'll see that in the weeks to come. Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh. And he was a captain of the guard. Now, that is so significant. It's not an accident. It's not just chance. It's not just luck. It was a part of the plan of God. Now, I want you to notice quickly, we've gone through the Scripture. I want to give you a few thoughts, and we'll be done. Number one, in this passage, I see that Joseph was doing what was right. You see, Joseph was not mistreated by his brothers because he had done something wicked. He had not been sinful. Joseph was obeying his dad. Dad said, go find your brothers and come and tell me. And Joseph said, here am I. Joseph was doing what was right. You say, wait a minute, that shouldn't happen. People should not be mistreated when they do what they're supposed to do. Now, you and I, we've got orders today. We've got instructions from our Heavenly Father. God has given us a mission. And you say, I'm trying to obey God. I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do. And it seems like I'm still being attacked. It seems like I'm still suffering. It seems like I'm still being mistreated. Number one, Joseph did what he was supposed to do. His brothers were probably not doing what they were supposed to do. They were in Shechem. They were 50 miles from home. Uh, we think they probably were involved with some godless people and some heathen practices. We don't know for sure. But I want to say this. It doesn't matter what his brothers were doing. It doesn't matter what the 11 brothers were doing. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. What matters is what we're doing. And what matters is, are we doing what God has told us to do? Oh, it's so easy, is it not? Especially in the day of social media and Facebook and computers you see, so-and-so, they went over here and they did this. And that's not a place that Christians ought to go. Well, if they did it, maybe it's not so bad. Uh, so-and-so, I hear the way that they talk. I hear the way that they uh, cuss. I hear the language they use. I hear the jokes they tell. And they're a Christian. If they do it, it's probably not too bad. Can I tell you, friend, you're not going to answer to God for so-and-so. And I'm not going to answer to God for the next guy, but I am responsible for what I do. And it doesn't matter if everybody else is jumping off a bridge. Doesn't mean you have to. Doesn't mean I have to. But what I do need is I need to do what God has told me to do. Can I tell you, as a Christian, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm responsible to love God, and so are you. I'm responsible to read the Bible and pray, and I'm responsible to go to church, and I'm responsible to love my family, and I'm responsible to serve God and win souls, and I'm responsible to stay faithful no matter what the rest of the crowd is doing. If you're waiting to see what somebody else is going to do, I'll promise you this, you're never going to live for God. Because sometimes people disappoint you. Sometimes people you looked up to, they will lead you astray, but stay focused on Jesus. Do what God has told you to do. Joseph did what he was supposed to do. Number two, Joseph did not give up on the assignment. He got to Shechem. His brothers weren't there. You know what some of us would have done? Well, dad said to find my brothers. He said they were going to be in Shechem, he thought, and they weren't there. So I'm just going home. Oh, no. You know what Joseph did? He said, I'm sticking with the mission. 
I'm sticking with the job that dad gave me and I'm not going back until I can bring word and report and tell him how my brothers are doing. Can I tell you, don't give up on the mission that God has given you. Don't give up on the program that God has entrusted us with. Sometimes you feel like giving up. Sometimes you feel like you're not accomplishing anything. Don't give up. Keep on going. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he sent you to do. He's in control. He didn't give you the wrong assignment. God knows what is best. Don't give up on God. Number three, Joseph was hated by his brothers. I think we understand that. I think we know that. But in this passage, we see just how deep that hatred was. This was not a casual dislike. They hated him so much, they were willing to kill him. They were willing to sell him. They were willing to abuse him. They hated him. The Bible says in verse 11, they envied him. It says in verse 18, they conspired. It says then they lied about him. They ripped off his coat. They hated his guts. Can I tell you, there'll be some people in your life, in my life, they won't like it when you live for God. They won't like it when you stand on the word of God. They're not going to like it when you go to church. They're not going to like it when you quote scripture. They're not going to like it when you take a stand for what is right. I'll give you an example. This is not a spiritual example, but this is an example we all can see crystal clear in 2020. We have in our country, we have a president. We have a president who I thank the Lord for the stand that he has taken for pro-life. He has taken a stand, and it's clear, it's obvious. There's, There's no misunderstanding where he's at on that. And can I tell you, you would think people would be parading in the streets celebrating that. But can I tell you what people are doing? Not a lot, but some. And can I tell you what the media is showing you? All the people that hate his guts. Can I tell you, we have a president, although I don't know if he's a Christian, but I know this, he has done some great, great things for Christian people, for religious freedom. He's done some great things to help us in what we can do in our churches and what we can do in our country and what we can do in our schools and what we can do in our community. Can I tell you this? There are some people that don't like that. But you know what? One thing I admire so much about our president, I don't think he cares. As a matter of fact, and, and I, this is, I'm not saying you need to adopt this mentality. I think he actually kind of likes it when people are upset. I think it kind of like drives him, you know, for another day. Hey, they don't like this? Well, watch now. And can I tell you, I'm thankful for somebody that although there's been some opposition, I haven't seen him backing down. I'm thankful that we have a president who has taken some stand on some things. I don't agree with everything he says. I don't agree with everything he does. But I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for a man that's been willing to take a stand in our country and stand with the unborn and stand with protecting them and stand with religious freedom. And I thank the Lord for those things. But can I tell you something? That's a good example. Just because you do what is right, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be patting you on the back. You're going to have people in your own family that don't like it. You're going to have people at your workplace who think you're crazy. And I'm not saying you need to, you know, irritate them and poke them and say, ha ha, look, and I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you just keep your eyes on Jesus and you do what you're supposed to do and don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just realize that you will give an account to God someday, no matter who likes it and who doesn't. Number four, Joseph was thrown 
into a pit. Now I was thinking about this. I've, I've been in some, some, some ditches and I've been in some, some hole, deep holes, but I've never been thrown into one. I can't imagine just, just that alone. I mean, that'd have to be painful, getting tossed into a pit that's so deep you can't climb out. And then to be left there and thinking, I don't know if anybody's ever coming back. I don't know if they're coming back to kill me. I don't know what they're going to do, but Joseph was thrown into a pit. You maybe have been thrown into a pit emotionally. Or you maybe have been thrown into a pit relationally. Or maybe you've been thrown into a pit financially. Or maybe you've been thrown into a pit physically and you feel like there's no way out. There's no hope. I, I can't fix this financial problem. I can't fix this problem at work. I can't fix this problem in my marriage. I can't fix this problem with my child. I can't fix this problem that I'm in. I can't get out of this situation. I'm trapped. I'm in a pit. I want to get out, but there's no way out. That's where Joseph was. Welcome to Joseph's world. And you say, well, Joseph wasn't supposed to be there. I would beg to differ. I think he was supposed to be there, not because of his brother's plan, but because of God's plan. Because God was preparing Joseph, he needed Joseph in Egypt. And he needed Joseph in Egypt, not just for a few days or a few weeks or a few months, but he needed Joseph there for years because God had a plan that would save the entire world from famine. And that plan was going to take some time. And God's hand was working through all of it. I read a quote this last week from a preacher about this passage, and it was so good. He said, circumstantially, Joseph's life was a mess. But providentially, Joseph's life was perfect. He said, because God was weaving all of the choices of wicked people, his brothers, God was taking all of those bad choices by these bad people, and God was working all of that out for Joseph's good and for God's ultimate glory. Wow. I'd be in a pit saying, I need out fast. But can I tell you, God had a plan for Joseph being in that spot. Do you think it was a coincidence that they chose that pit? Do you think it was a coincidence that those Ishmaelites were coming by at that time? Do you think it was a coincidence that instead of going up to Damascus, they were on their way down to Egypt? Do you think all of that was by chance? Oh, no, that was a part of the plan of Almighty God. Joseph was in a pit. You may be in that pit today and you think nobody cares. I would differ with you on that and I would correct you lovingly and I would say that's not a true statement. There is someone who cares. His name is Jesus. And if you're in a pit and you've been saved, you know Jesus Christ is Savior, you're not in that pit alone. There was a man thrown into a pit of lions. His name was Daniel. Guess what? God was with him. There were three boys thrown into a pit of fire, a fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God showed up. There was a, a man who was, 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 was caught, and there was a man who, who was, was thrown into that lion's den, Daniel, and he didn't know a way out. But can I tell you, God came and God shut the lion's mouth. God never forsook Daniel. God will never forsake you. Then there was a man in the book of Psalms who said, I was in a pit before I got saved. He said it was a horrible pit. As a matter of fact, it was horrible and there was miry clay. My feet were stuck. 
Even if I wanted to get out, I couldn't. I was stuck in that horrible pit. But guess what? Somebody came and rescued him. And you're in the pit and you say, I don't even know Jesus. Well, I got good news for you. Jesus still saves. And Jesus still rescues and Jesus still delivers. And you can't get out of the pit on your own. But if you'll grab onto the hand of Jesus Christ who loves you and paid the price for your sin, if you'll hang on to that hand, he can lift you out and set your feet upon a rock. Joseph was thrown into a pit, but God brought him out. Lastly, I see that Joseph was taken to Egypt. Now, Joseph, as he was being lifted up out of that pit, I'm sure he probably thought, huh, God answers prayer. My brothers have changed their mind. They're not going to kill me. They're going to say, I'm sorry. They're going to give me a big old hug. And they're going to say, hey, Joseph, we were wrong. We're taking you back to dad. Oh, this is an answer to prayer. But it didn't get better when he came out of the pit. It got worse. They said, no, Joseph, you're not going home. You're going with these slave traders to Egypt. And can you imagine if Joseph had witnessed that transaction? Can you imagine him standing by the side in disbelief saying, this, this cannot be happening. There is no way that my brothers could hate me enough to sell me as a slave to these people who knows what they're going to do to me, who knows where I'll end up. But Joseph was taken to Egypt because God knew where Joseph needed to be. God knows where you need to be. God knows where I need to be. God knows how to get you there. Maybe you've been sold out. Maybe you've been persecuted. Maybe you've been abandoned. But I want to remind you it's not over because Joseph went to Egypt in the will of God. Joseph went to Egypt in the plan of God. And Joseph went to the protection in the care of God. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. It's a good thing God's directing the paths, because Joseph certainly would not have chosen to go to Egypt. And you and I certainly would not have chosen some of the things we've gone through. But God knew what you needed. God knew what I needed. And God's plan was for our good and for His glory. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.